Okay, there's two readings tonight. Uh, the first reading is from uh, Matthew 5, 3 to 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, sorry, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now we move to Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, thanks, John, for that reading. Uh, hello, everybody. My name's Paul, one of the pastors here at Soul Bible Church. My pleasure to be able to reflect upon this part of God's Word with you tonight. And as I say, reflect upon, have you ever reflected on just how unexpected the teaching of the Bible can be? Christianity, in many ways, I think is a bit of an upside-down, back-to-front kind of religion. So much of its teaching is surprising to our ears. Today, in our reading, we hear Jesus say, Blessed are the poor, the sad, the meek, the hungry. Wouldn't you think, well, I'd expect the exact opposite of that. If you think those statements make sense, well, it's probably because you've been coming to church for a while. That's very nice. Well done. But for the vast majority out there, those statements make no sense at all. For where is the blessing in poverty? Where is it in sadness? The meek, well, they just get trampled. And don't we all want to be well-fed and well-liked? Well, friends, it actually takes uh, a supernatural ability to understand these words so that our ears will hear, our minds will understand, our hearts will embrace this teaching. So why don't we, before we go any further, ask God to help us to do that right now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. But we admit that we do need your help for a second time tonight. That... Uh, as we come to your word now, unexpected teachings to our worldly ears, that you would help us to understand and help us to obey your word. Give us your spirit, we pray, as we come to your word now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, today marks the beginning of a new series. And as we usually do uh, for the first term of every year, we usually focus in on a gospel. And this time we're actually going to be focusing on the most famous teaching of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. That's not all. We're going to drill even deeper into the introduction to that sermon. The first 12 uh, 12 verses of, of the sermon, commonly known as the Beatitudes. Ten weeks and a little over ten verses. Are you looking forward to some short sermons? No, I, I think the doubtful look I can see in some people's eyes is that, that you know better. It's not going to be the case. Um, the story goes of a young son of a minister who would observe his dad um, take off his watch and put it on the lectern each time he went to preach. And one day he said to his dad, hey, Dad, what, is, what does it mean when you take your watch off and put it here on the lectern? And his dad said, son, that means absolutely nothing. He just ploughs on. doesn't matter what time it is. Now, each of these verses might be short, but they're laden and full of meaning and instruction for us today. And so, as the sermon begins... We get that repeated phrase, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Now, in the context of the Bible, to be blessed is to be much more than just being happy or content. To be blessed is to be a direct recipient of God's favour and his friendship. Now, even many of our non-religious friends would say, yep, that's how I understand blessing to be. That sounds totally fine. But the surprising thing is the pathway to blessing what sort of path Jesus says we need to take in order to receive that blessing. And here we see the teaching of Jesus flying full in the face of our society's values and desires. Blessed are the poor, the sad, the meek, the excluded. So what is it that Jesus is saying here? Is Jesus saying you can only be blessed if you're financially insecure, if you're emotionally distressed, if you're socially excluded. Now if you read this and at first glance it might mean just that and over many years people have taught this idea. They've said that God's favour will come especially upon those in poverty, in distress and exclusion. But actually with a more careful reading of the Bible you actually see a broader picture. So without doubt as you read through the Bible um, God has a very real concern for the poor, the needy, the vulnerable and he has very strong commands to care for them. But when, but when Jesus speaks of the poor and the needy, the hungry, it would be altogether wrong to say he's actually speaking only of those who have got financial problems or are emotionally distressed. So the question remains then, who are the poor? Who are the hungry, the sad, the excluded? Well, tonight, as I said, we're going to focus on one verse a night. So we're going to start with verse 3. I've got it here on the screen for you. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the language that Jesus used here and what he uses so often throughout the scriptures when he's teaching, his language, language comes straight out of his Bible. Can you guess what his Bible was? Our Old Testament. That was his Bible. And so that language comes straight out of the Old Testament. And Jesus often quote the Old Testament, applying it directly to himself. 
He did it one day when he was in a synagogue in Nazareth and he read from Isaiah, right towards the end of Isaiah, and he applied it directly to his ministry. Here's the example on screen. I've got it here on screen from Luke's uh, Gospel Recorded. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So here's Isaiah talking about the poor and how Jesus will eventually be preaching to them. So who are the people that Isaiah is writing to? He's writing to Israel, but at a time when they're in exile. Jerusalem, their capital city, had been destroyed. And the spiritual state of the nation and God's reputation, it is now in tatters. And we have this uh, very mournful picture of them sitting by the rivers of Babylon, mourning and weeping. So who are the poor in the book of Isaiah? Well, it's God's people. But God's people in exile. They're out of God's presence and they are deeply aware that they need God's help. That's the poor. So here's the broader understanding here. Jesus is focusing not just on people who suffer financial need. The poor in spirit are those who are deeply aware of their desperate need for God's help. Now, of course, within that number, there's going to be some poor people. But actually, it will include everybody who needs God's spiritual help. Now, Jesus, in our book today, our sermon today, um, is preaching hundreds of years after Isaiah. But the full promises of the Old Testament had not been realised, even though there had been some sort of rebuilding of Jerusalem and the nation had been rebuilt to an extent, um, they were still exiled. They were still in a state of spiritual poverty. They'd returned home, but they were still cut off from God's favour in its fullness. And so in that light, that vibe, against that backdrop, Jesus makes his first public announcement in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus is saying, repent to the people of Israel. The kingdom is near to you who are far away, far away because of their sin and rebellion against God. Jesus is saying, I'm coming near to you. Now when God comes near, what do you imagine he would do? Does God come down to his people and tell them off? Does he come down and say, well, serves you right. You've made your bed, now sleep in it. Does he come down to watch us wallow in our suffering and our misery? Well, maybe that's what we would expect him to do, but it's not what he actually does. Reading from the beginning of Matthew, you actually see when Jesus starts his ministry, one of the first things he does is this. He goes down to the banks of the Jordan River and gets baptised. He finds a lineup of sinners waiting to be washed clean and he joins the back of the line. He identifies us with us as sinners in the closest possible way. He doesn't come to destroy, but he comes to identify with us, even at our greatest need. And yet, as we read on, he is not like us. He amazes the crowds with power. He goes through the towns and villages, teaching and preaching, healing every disease and sickness. Wherever he goes, he starts to peel back the effects of sin. Wherever he goes, he brings heaven on earth. It's no wonder that by the time we reach the end of chapter 4 in Matthew's Gospel, there are great crowds following Jesus. People from all over Israel, 
all over the neighbouring nations even, have come to hear Jesus, to find out more about what his kingdom is like. And so we reach the beginning of chapter 5 and Jesus begins to teach. And he starts with, blessed are those who... And again, I ask the question, what do you think they might have been expecting Jesus to say? Blessed are those who are moral. Blessed are those who are religious and devout. I mean, surely God's favour rests on them. Blessed are those who are tolerant. Blessed are those who are kind. No, what he says is, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Friends, we live in tough times. This is why I reckon it's tough. I reckon there's never been a time where there has been more pressure on us to present a perfect picture of ourselves to others. Wouldn't you say so? Don't you have Facebook or Instagram if you're funky? You need, it makes it harder than ever to make yourself look good. You, you know, you sit there doom scrolling as they say doom scrolling through Facebook and Instagram looking carefully at everybody's carefully selected highlights of their lives the, festry, uh, the fancy restaurants they eat in um, their smiley friends the exotic holidays the amazing experiences that they're having and how do you feel pretty rubbish I reckon because life's not always that good and yet here it is, a constant stream in your face. And your life doesn't seem to be so exciting by comparison because your own life is pretty ordinary. There's always pressure to show how happy you are, how successful you are, and it just becomes overwhelming. I mean, no wonder we're suffering from such a wave of mental health problems, of anxiety and depression when you've got that constant overwhelming need to show your best side. And you're thinking, I've had enough. I don't want to show my best side anymore. Actually, I'm not that, I don't know if I've got a best side. It might be that bad. But Jesus says, in his kingdom, you don't need to pretend to be something you're not. What a great relief. What a great relief. In fact, when he uses this word for poor, the word he uses actually is related to crouching down. Um, the picture of a beggar, someone who has nothing of their own, but is entirely dependent on somebody else for being kind to them. Being poor in spirit um, is not about having a low self-esteem or being timid uh, or shy or anything temperamental like that. As I mentioned earlier, the spiritually poor recognise they need to come to God humbly with nothing in their hands. And as Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritual beggars for theirs. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember that time when um, the, the people were bringing to Jesus the little children? And what did the disciples try to do? Stop them. Jesus is too important to have little kids come. Little, get them out of the way. They're annoying. 
What does Jesus say? Well, I've got, I was going to have that verse on the screen. <laughs> but there it is. Jesus said to the little children, Come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom belongs to those who come in full dependence, like a child, like a little child. That's why Jesus is so quick to condemn the proud, the rich, the self-dependent, the independent, as we read about the Pharisee and the tax collector. He's scathing. The Pharisee, the one so confident in himself, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So you see, the poor in spirit will be quick to admit, I don't, I do not deserve it. And doesn't that bring a sense of relief? You don't need to pretend that you're better than you are. You just don't. You don't need to try to present a perfect picture of ourselves to God and even to one another. Our sin doesn't take Jesus by surprise. In the kingdom, we put our hand up and we admit it. Now, um, not too many days go by before uh, some kind of scandal will be rolled out in the pages of the media. Is it not? They happen all the time. And we particularly like to sticky beak when a celebrity falls. That's even more interesting. We love looking at that sort of stuff. And how often have you seen um, the ashen-faced perpetrator um, facing the media and then saying things like this, saying things like, um, I'm sorry about that, but I can, I can do better than that. I'm not that person. That's not me. When I hear that, I want to yell out, well, it is you. It is you. And I'm not saying that in a, way, in a judgmental way. It's me too. And it's you and I. We're all sinners. We're all fallen. There but for the grace of God go I. The one who is poor in spirit is aware of their sin and they take their sin seriously. They know that it took nothing less than the death of God's Son to save sinners. The poor in spirit will say, I deserve nothing but God's condemnation and judgment, but I look to Christ for my salvation. So there you have it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, three applications from this verse. First is this. The poor in spirit are not proud. Whatever our achievements or our education, however good your looks are, um, wealth, all of that is utterly irrelevant in the kingdom of heaven. We came in by God's grace and by God's grace alone. No one's ever earned it. No one's ever deserved it. So there's no room for pride. Now, in light of this, while we're talking about rich and poor and that sort of thing, just a little side note about wealth. It's very hard to long for God's kingdom and to put our trust in him when you're rich, when you've got plenty of dough. 
You see, riches breed arrogance, pride, self-sufficiency. And it's at this point we need to be honest with ourselves. I doubt any of us here would be considering ourselves rich by the world's standards. We prefer the term um, middle class or maybe upper middle class. But friends, by the world's standards, and in relative terms, we are among the wealthiest people that the world has ever seen. That's all of us here. The wealthiest people the world has ever seen. And our wealth or poverty will affect the way we think of ourselves and how we approach God. And riches are a spiritual hurdle. It's hard to be poor in spirit when we're rich in goods and possessions. And so a question for you. How is your wealth affecting your relationship with God? How honest can you be about that? And friends, as we think about that as well, we need perspective. Because we need to remember that in Christ we are indeed incredibly rich. An eternal inheritance awaits. And so like the Apostle Paul, we must pray for the ability to believe that promise. Got it here on the screen from Ephesians chapter 1. What's Paul say? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So first, pride has no place. Second, if we're poor in spirit, we shouldn't be judgmental. We will be all too aware of, our, of the sin in our own lives to be able to be standing in condemnation of somebody else. We'll be well and truly aware that we have a log in our own eyes while our friend might only have a speck. If you're poor in spirit, you get that, that perception. And thirdly, the poor in spirit are free to love others because we don't have to worry about trying to pretend to be somebody that we're not. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, you can actually put that aside now because God knows who we are. He knows what it took to, to save sinners. He knows that Christ has died for us and so we're free to stop pretending, to stop thinking about ourselves only and to start thinking about those around us. So first place, no pride, no judging, free to love others. Three takeaways from this short verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, the first uh, beatitude, as it is called, it actually sets the signature tune for the rest of the verses to come. And it reminds us, as all the beatitudes will remind us, is that we're living in a tension. Tonight we're thinking about the tension between poor but rich. We are sinners. We need to admit honestly and humbly that we are poor in spirit and deeply aware that we need God's help. But it's at this point of full dependence that the blessings of God pour out. The sinner is taken from death to life, from enemy to friend, from grave to a throne in heaven, from poverty to eternal riches. 
Has there ever been a greater story of rags to riches than that? It's hard to fathom, hard to perceive, hard to appreciate. So again, we need to pray that God would help us understand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do humbly come before you in our need of help. Please help us to understand and admit our poverty before you. We admit our sin, our all too common tendency to be proud and self-sufficient, especially in the riches that we have. Lord, please help us to come before you with empty hands in full dependence. Lord, we thank you for the blessing of forgiveness through the death and resurrection of Jesus and we pray for an ongoing renewal by your spirit that we might know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your inglorious inheritance. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.